All right, how you guys doing tonight? Good, love seeing a full house on a Saturday night in the summer, okay? You guys must be having plans tomorrow, I don't know, but good to see you guys today. Um, we're going to be continuing this series called Revival. How many of you guys were here last week? Anybody here last week? All right, uh, if you missed last week, you got to go back and catch up. I, I promise you to be worth your time. Um, as I was preparing this week, God continued to draw me back to something that that was in the message last week. And how many of you guys remember that clip from Christine Kane last week where it talked about the difference between gifting and anointing, right? And so as I begin to dwell on that and to meditate on that this week, I begin to think, man, I, I need to talk about the anointing. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to preach a message or a variation of a message that I preached a couple years ago on the anointing, but I feel like it's, it's important for the season we're in. Because we're in a season as a church where I believe God is going to do something in this season. And we have to, we have to be the kind of people that are willing to lay down the tracks and to be willing to move where God is going, to be able to go with God. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? We have to be able to do that. And so, so I'm going to pray and then we're going to get going. God, we thank you so much. We thank you for your, your presence that we felt tonight already. We thank you for those that were baptized tonight. We thank you for celebrating new life in you. And, and we thank you that living for you is always an adventure, if we do it right. <laughs> and so tonight, God, help us to do it right tonight. Help us to follow you in such a way. God, we, we know that you're going to do something and plant something in our heart that's going to make that possible. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> a couple uh, weeks ago, I was driving in my, uh, in my vehicle, and all of a sudden... I ran out of gas on the road. How many of you guys have ever done that before? Anybody ever run out of gas? I mean, literally like running out of gas. I put it in, I tried to put it in neutral, try to coast off of the road. Finally, I make it off of the road. And I look down at all my gauges and I look down at my fuel gauge and it says I still have three quarters of a tank. So I'm sitting here looking at this, and so I'm, I'm like, what, what in the world just happened? And so finally I call my wife. She comes and she brings, all, she brings gasoline over, and we put, put gasoline in, and, it, and it, turn it back on, and it's still three-quarters of a tank. And I just put a gallon of gas in. I'm like, what's going on? So I drive, and I, I make it to a gas station. I fill it up, and I look at the gas gauge to see, okay, it should be full now, and it's still stuck at three-quarters of a tank. And what I finally realized is that my gauges are all broken, and they're frozen at three-quarters of a tank. So I had been driving, assuming I had gas in the tank, and I didn't have gas in the tank. And so now what I do, it's still frozen there. And so every Monday, I will go and I will just fill up with gas, just to be sure, just because I never know when it's going to run out. And I felt like that some of us, feel, some of us may recognize, even tonight as I preach tonight, that your gauges are frozen, and you assume you've got fuel in the tank. And, and the, the, the problem with the gauges being frozen is that eventually it'll sneak up on you and you'll run out of fuel at some point. Okay, and so what I want to talk about is what, what I believe is one of the most important things that you, can, that you need if you're going to serve God. One of the most important things that you need to serve God is this thing called the anointing. And, and I, you can see it all throughout Scripture. You can see King Saul. We talked about Saul and David a couple weeks ago. You can see King Saul, 
He had a great external resume. I mean, if you were to list his resume, the Bible even says he's, he's head and shoulders above everybody else. He made the perfect king. I mean, he had all the qualifications. He was head and shoulders above all the rest. Great external resume, but you know what? Saul turned out to not have a great internal resume. You know what I'm saying? Then you got a guy like David. who David, he had a horrible external resume. I mean, he's the type of guy that if you're picking teams, he gets picked last, right? In fact, he didn't even get invited to be able to, to have a chance at being the king when they, Samuel pulls them all in. He had a horrible external resume, but yet he gets anointed just like Saul got anointed. And, and when David gets anointed, how many of you guys know that David had a great internal resume, and when he gets anointed, all of a sudden, this ability, this desire to be a king and to also slay giants was on the inside of him. Do you realize there's a common denominator between both of these people? And both of them, one had a great external, one had a great internal, one had a horrible external, one had a horrible internal, but you know what made the difference? The anointing. They both were anointed. And after they were anointed, they were able to do things they could not do otherwise. And so I could say it this way. The anointing is greater than your own ability. When you have the anointing in your life, on your life, it makes you able to do things you could not do otherwise. I can say it this way. The anointing is greater than your resume. How many of you guys are thankful that, it's not, that serving God is not determined and dependent on your resume, right? Because sometimes that doesn't look so good. And, and the, the good news for those of us who it does look good is that that's not the difference maker. It's God. He's the difference maker, right? And so it, the anointing makes us look way better than we are. And that's for good reason. Because God has some plans for us. How many of you guys believe this? God has some plans for us that are going to require us to be way better than we are. We need the anointing to do that. So I could say it this way. You don't, and this ought to encourage somebody tonight. You don't have to be qualified. All you have to be is anointed. I want you to get that down deep because some of us are looking at our external resume and we're saying, I don't, I'm not qualified. Listen, you do not have to be qualified. David proved that. All you have to be is anointed. Now, what is this mysterious word anointing? How many of you guys ever, you've ever wondered what this really means, right? I mean, what is this anointing? When I, when I was a kid, I grew up in church and the, the circles of our church that we were growing up in were a little more Pentecostal, charismatic, we kind of heard this word anointing all the time. Like, like that guy, he's anointed, right? Or that message, that was an anointed message. What does that even mean? Now, how many guys think you know what anointing means? Anybody know what anointing means? All right. Uh, no one. Okay, somebody back here. All right, you're next. You're going to come up and preach. No. Uh, I'm going to take a stab at it, okay? Because it can be a little bit mysterious uh, as you look through Scripture. But I'm going to take a stab at trying to help us understand what this is. Why? Because I believe it's essential to what we are going to be doing. And so from ancient times, you would see this pattern. You would see this anointing happen. And they would always take like oil of some sort and they would literally put it on somebody's head. And so you, the priests had to be anointed with oil or even blood in some, time, in some ways as just a representation of the life that was there. And, and so there would priests or prophets would all be anointed. In fact, King Saul was anointed in this way by Samuel and David was anointed in this way. And this anointing ritual or idea gets passed down all the way through prophets and kings and priests all the way down until you get to Jesus. 
to Jesus Christ. Now, let me just tell you, Christ is not Jesus' last name, right? You guys know this, right? Christ is the title. It is for the Messiah, or literally, what do you think it means? Anointed one. And so it gets all the way down, this whole idea of being anointed. And, and this anointing always represented the power of the Holy Spirit, or literally the Holy Spirit in a lot of different ways. And so this anointing goes all the way down until Jesus is anointed. Watch this, okay? It says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, the implication in this scripture, and I'm not going to get too far into this, but I just want you to see this implication. The implication here is that before he was anointed, he was going to operate at a different level than after he was anointed. And so every time in ancient times, whenever you were anointed by someone, it always had to be by someone who was greater than you or had more anointing than you or had more influence or more clout, whatever it was. That was always anointed by someone else that was greater, a prophet anointing a king or whatever it was. So who is going to anoint Jesus? Who could anoint Jesus? I mean, Jesus is God in the flesh. Watch, it tells us who, who it did. It says God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. There was nothing greater that God could use to anoint Jesus but himself because he was the only thing of equal or greater value than God in the flesh. And so God does something amazing here. God anoints himself with himself. And when God anoints himself with himself, there's more power. And we see this in Luke chapter 4. We see that this gave Jesus the power to do good. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recover of sight to the blind. You can see it all the way through this. Now, maybe you haven't seen this thread, but it's all through Scripture. So we get to the anointing. Now, Jesus, the anointed one, now has the power to do what he's been called to do. God's, I want you to see this. God's power and God's presence were resident or residing in the anointing. So that when someone got anointed, all of a sudden they were empowered to do something that God had wanted them to do. So let me give you my definition of what the anointing is. I'll give you a definition, okay? You might write this down because this, you might need this someday, okay? you got to understand this. Here, here's my definition of the anointing. The anointing is simply the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God has assigned you to do. Now let me ask you, has God assigned you to do something? Then you need the anointing. The anointing is simply the power of the Holy Spirit to do what God has assigned you to do. Now, here's the good news about this whole anointing bit. Do you realize that just as God anointed Jesus, God anointed himself with himself, do you realize that that same God who anointed himself with himself anoints you and me? The same anointing? Think about that. The same thing that happened to Jesus happens to us. And God has given us of the same anointing of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 21. Stick with me. I'm laying a foundation. It says, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ. And he has what? He's anointed us and who's also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Again, let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. It says, but you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. So what I want to do right now is I just want us all to get a picture. And you can go back to the Old Testament times and think about Samuel with his anointing, you know, the horn of oil, of pouring over somebody's head where the anointing oil would come down. But I, 
you can get that picture. You might have to just close your eyes right now, but just picture God anointing you with the power to do what he has assigned you to do. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit coming all over you. That's what we need to accomplish what God is calling us to do. Now, you may be here today and you may be saying, okay, that's great. But why don't I feel the anointing? Why don't I feel like I have the anointing? Why do I feel like I'm not participating in this anointing you're talking about? Why don't I, and so what I want to do is I want to give us three questions or three ideas to wrestle with as to why we may not be feeling what the anointing, why we may not be feeling the anointing in our life. And the first one, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at a couple stories from some of our teenagers in our church. Because how many of you guys know teenagers, when they get a hold of God, they get a hold of God, right? Teenagers, when they decide to do something for God, they just decide to do something for God. And so our teenagers are deciding to do something for God. And, uh, and, and so I want you to watch this and just listen to the heart of this, and I'll reveal point number one. So let's watch this. Well, okay, God is good, first of all. Um, but I forgot my bracelet from Bold, but if you read it, it said revival is real. And I don't know if, like, any of you, well, some of you might know this because I think Jake Sapp said something about this. Um, but I'm starting a club at my school, and it's called Real, and it literally stands for Revival is Revival for Everyone Among the Lost. And literally the day after um, me and my teacher, Mr. Baldwin, I think I saw Mr. Baldwin back there. Yep, there you are. <laughs> the day after we decided to name the club Real, um, I saw the bold video up on Sunday, and it was, oh, Saturday, I guess, because it was Friday at school, but it was insane, because it was just like, God was just confirming for me, like, you, like, you chose the right thing, like, you just named it, like, what it was supposed to be, and it was crazy, because just how it connected, like, I was just so excited to see, like, what else he was going to show, like, me at bold, and it was just insane, that, like, first moment before camp even started, just how, like, he was already doing things. Um, kind of similar to Grace, I am really shy. Like, if it's someone I do not know, I am so shy. If you, you don't seem shy right now. <laughs> yeah, because God's so good. But when I was younger, and if you don't believe me, you can ask my dad. When I was younger, I would not talk to, like, anyone. It was, it was so funny, but... Um, <laughs> yeah. um, but God just, like, gave gave me so much confidence like at bold like I was just jumping even when like no one else was jumping um and just he just really helped me see that like you had to go to him even in the good and the bad times um but yeah so that's aren't, aren't you glad that God doesn't just sit in the pages of a book mm -hmm. and I think that's where people get messed up when when you think just following God is somehow you just got to read a, a book and then attend a service Mm -hmm. But it totally changes when it's like, I'm really following Jesus like, yeah. in real time. And he's really speaking to me. So um, this kind of has to go along with what Chloe was saying. So something happened kind of to the both of us. So I'm just going to tell you like both parts of our story. So you guys know that Chloe is having this like group at her school, uh, Bible study group. And um, she told me that. So I don't know how much I'm allowed to say because she has some things that are. 
All right, cool. All right, I'll do that. Okay, so she's going to buy these pins. Uh, they just like help like promote, like, hey, come join our Bible study, and they're just for everyone, and they're just going to be great. So, yeah. But um, anyway, she was going to buy them, and when she went to buy them, the Holy Spirit told her no, and she was confused. She told me because she was like, God, this is for you. Like, why, why can't I do this? This is for you. And, you know, so she didn't end up buying them. So while I was at camp, I think it was on Tuesday, but I don't know because my sense of time was so warped at camp. Is that true for anyone else? (laughs) Crazy. Anyway, so um, I was, this was during one of the sermons. I just got like, got a little nudge inside of me. It was like, hey, you need to give Chloe $10 for her Bible group. And I was like, $10? Why not like a hundred or something, you know, because to me that seemed like it would be more faithful. Like that's a lot of money to give away. $10 is like not that much, you know? So I kind of just brushed it off as my thoughts just going wild. And so then later on during worship, I heard the same thing again. And I was like, why am I still thinking about this? We've passed this, you know? And finally <laughs> that night I heard it again. And this time it was like really loud. It just like resonated within me. And I was like, okay, that's Jesus. I'm done stalling. So I went over to Chloe and I'm like, this is going to be really weird, but I'm supposed to give you $10 for your Bible study. And what she told me just completely blew my mind. And I know it's been a week, but I'm still freaking out about it because it was amazing. So anyway, she told me, she goes, so she told me about how God told her not to buy the pins yet. She said that when she does buy them, she gets them in bulk amount. And when she does that, they're half priced and guess how much money they are when they're half priced. What did you just say, 17? (laughs) Go home, I'm kidding. Okay, yes, they were $10. And so I just start like freaking out. Like, I'm like, victory, yes, like this is great. Like, cause I didn't really expect this to happen. You know, it was crazy. And I'm like yelling and screaming, yes. And my emotions are in a spiritual blender on high. And I'm like freaking out. And then I start crying, just breaking down. We're like in the back by the chairs and Chloe's just smiling at me. And I'm just like, oh, it's amazing. Thank you. Anyway, it was so cool. And I think really what I learned from it was that an act of faith, no matter how small is still an act of faith. Yeah, what we see here is what she just said, acting in faith. So you may be here and you, you, know, you, you think, okay, well, that's a, a, you know, teenagers in this Bible school. What does that have to do with me? Listen, here, here's why you may not feel the anointing. Number one is this. You may not be putting a demand on the anointing. <clears throat> see, with the anointing comes assignment. With the anointing comes assignment. And if, if you aren't preparing to do something, the anointing is not necessary. See, with anointing comes assignment, and then with assignment, then comes ability. So many of us are waiting for the ability before we'll do the assignment, but that's not how it works. The anointing comes, and it's, it's waiting for us to step out in faith. And when we step out in faith, then the power of God to do what we're assigned to do, all of a sudden that comes into play. So some of you are thinking, well, I don't feel the anointing. I don't have this anointing. I don't feel like the power. I don't, I don't feel. Maybe you're not putting a demand on the anointing. Maybe, you, 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 see, here's the thing. The anointing is available 
to every one of us believers. Do you guys agree with that? The anointing, the power of God, the anointing of God, anointing himself with himself is available for you and for me. But accessibility, or availability does not mean accessibility. So in other words, just because something's available does not mean you're accessing it. Just because the door is unlocked doesn't mean you've actually walked through the door. And so many of us, you have the anointing at your fingertips to be able to put on assignment, but just because it's available to you, it doesn't mean that you're actually accessing the anointing. You haven't put a demand on it. It reminds me of this story I heard several years ago of this, uh, this, uh, this person in New York, and, and she was kind of eccentric and was a, a millionaire, and, and instead of leaving an inheritance to uh, her close family, she had kind of a distant relative that she just wanted to leave it all to and just so there wouldn't be a lot of infighting and all sorts of stuff. And, and uh, it was actually an inheritance. When she passed away, it was around like $19 million. How many of you guys would like to get that inheritance, right? And so the problem was they didn't know where the distant relative was. Turns out that he was homeless. So they begin to search for him all over the place. So, and they keep searching and searching, and finally they found him. He was found, I believe it was under a bridge, frozen and dead. And the point, yeah, it's like, whoa, that's a great story, Sean. Um, but that is a great picture of how so many of us are living our lives. Here he was a millionaire, but he didn't know it. Here he had the means to do all sorts of things, but he was living homeless and not accessing the millions. I have you guys know that we have access to all the riches of God. And yet so many of us, we're acting, either we don't know or we don't care. And so we're not, we could be millionaires in God, accessing the riches in Christ, however you define that, and yet we're not tapping into that. So just because we have availability does not mean we are accessing it. Now, how many of you guys know we get all of the Holy Spirit when we get saved? We get all the Holy Spirit because we get, the, we get God the Father, we get God the Son, and we get God the, the Spirit. But let me just tell you something. You don't get all of the Holy Spirit when you get saved. You get all of the Holy Spirit, but you don't get all of the Holy Spirit. Let me give you an example of how this works. When I got married, I got all of my wife, Becca. We signed on the dotted line. We said the vows. We became the two became one flesh on the wedding day, right? So I got all of Becca. We became one. But how many of you guys know I didn't get all of Becca on day one? All of a sudden, I had to learn more, and she had to learn more about me. And all of a sudden, we had new experiences together. We had all sorts of different things that we grew into and we're still growing into for the rest of our lives. So in a similar way, yes, we get the Holy Spirit when we get saved, but you don't get all of the Holy Spirit even though you got all of the Holy Spirit. Because you're going to be walking into more experiences, more power, more opportunities, more uh, seasons with the Holy Spirit that are going to be different. And so we've got to understand that, that just because you have the availability of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you may not be walking in all of the Holy Spirit. And that should be bad news and good news for us. We should be like, man, there's more that we can be walking in. See, here, here's the thing. Some of us are like, man, why don't I feel the anointing? Here's why. The anointing is not there for you to feel something. The anointing is there for you to do something. And if we aren't stepping out into our assignment, then we have no need for the anointing. And if you don't ever put the anointing to the test, you'll never know the rest. 
You won't know the rest of the story. You won't know the possibilities that God had in mind for you. I remember years ago, uh, I wanted to buy a new car, and I was young, and, and I wanted to just, you know, just spend money that I didn't have, and I wanted to go to the dealership, and I wanted to get a Ford Mustang, okay? So I wanted to get, drive a brand new Ford Mustang off the lot, so I'm going there to the dealership, and I'm like, okay, show me what you got, and they're showing me all these different Mustangs. And I'm like, well, what's this one over here? Well, this one is like the V8 supercharged, whatever thing it is, and it's a lot more money. And I'm like, let me test drive that one. And so I get in that thing, and I'm like test driving around. And then all of a sudden, I hit, I just decide, and they let me do it by myself. And so I'm just there by myself, and I just decide to hit the pedal to the metal. And within seconds, I was at 90 to 100 miles an hour. And it, guys, it was awesome, okay? It was awesome. I took that thing back to the dealer. And I, I, I took that to the dealer guy, and I was like, take this away from me because I will be put in jail if you sell me this car because <laughs> it's too much fun. But see, the, the point is this. I had to actually put the pedal to the metal to see what kind of power was available. I could put around that thing all day long at 25 miles an hour, and I'd never know what it was capable of. So many of us, we never put the anointing to the test We never put the pedal down. God is wanting to inspire some people today to put the pedal to the middle and see what happens with God. See, you may not be feeling the anointing or walking in the anointing because you may not be putting it to the test. And let me just say it even stronger. If you're not serving God and serving in some capacity, you don't even need the anointing. Because the anointing is there for you to do something. It's there to empower you to do what God has called you to do, assigned you to do. And, and so, so many of us, we want to see God move in our life. We want to see God do big things. We want to see, hear stories, and we want to participate, and we say we want to walk with God. But how can we, how can the Holy Spirit, let me just ask you, how can the Holy Spirit help us in our weakness if we're always managing our situations down to our own strength? How can we walk by faith if we're always managing our life down to what we can walk in our own sight? See, we have to put a demand on the anointing. We have to put ourselves in a position to have the anointing. All right, number two, the reason why we might not feel or experience the anointing is this. You may be trying to live outside your anointing. See, the anointing is greater than your own ability. The anointing is greater than anything you could do on your own. But just because the anointing is greater than anything doesn't give you permission to do anything. And it doesn't, give, doesn't mean that everything you go to do is going to be anointed. Because some of us are in friction and we're forcing our way into something that God said, no, that's not your anointing, that's their anointing. We see this with King Saul. So Saul is, is getting ready. He's, he's got Samuel who says, I'm going to come back. I'm going to go away. I'm going to make some sacrifices when I come back. And King Saul's waiting, and he's waiting for Samuel to come back. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 8. Saul, he waited seven days. Now remember, Saul's king, okay? Samuel's a prophet. And, and Samuel's supposed to, uh, to do the sacrifice. But seven days, the time appointed by Samuel... But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul begins to panic. He begins to think, oh, hold on, my thing, that, that it's not going so well. People are leaving. And so he begins to panic. And so Saul says, well, bring the burnt offering over here to me and the peace offerings. And Saul offered the burnt offering. Now, Saul was not supposed to do this at all. This was not 
for him to do. He, was not, he didn't have permission to do this. That's not the way God set it up, but he did it anyway. And as soon as he'd finishing, finished bur- offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. Now, wouldn't that be an awkward moment, right? Like, oh, whoops, sorry about that. He gets done. Samuel says, what have you done? And Saul said, when, when I saw the people were scattering and, and you didn't come within the days appointed and, and the Philistines, they were, you know, all this type of stuff. And he said, so I, I forced myself to do the, the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For he, he says this, he says, listen, Saul, if you would have done it God's way, if you would have lived in your own anointing, guess what? The kingdom would have run through your family for generations, but now it's not going to happen that way. Now, because you've tried to live outside of your anointing, it's, it's not going to happen that way. Your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart, and he has commanded him to, bring, to be the prince over his people because you've not kept what the Lord commanded you. Here's the point. Saul promoted himself beyond his anointing. Let that sit in every heart right now. Just because you can do anything doesn't mean everything you do is anointed. Saul promoted himself beyond his anointing. Just because he was king does not mean he was authorized to do anything he wanted. Just because you think, well, I'm just serving God and God knows my heart does not mean that you have permission to do anything you want. That does not mean everything is anointed. Samuel was to, anoint, to offer the sacrifice. So what am I saying? Don't covet someone else's anointing. God has a purpose for you. You have your own anointing. And when you get in your anointing, your appointed uh, power from God to do what God has assigned you to do, it's not going to be, it may be hard, but let me say it's also going to be easy. Because what does Jesus say? He says, my yoke is easy. And listen, if you feel a yoke right now, a heaviness, you're probably outside of your anointing. You're carrying someone else's anointing. Years ago, I, I bought a, or I, I had a gar, I started a garden, it's like 50 by 80. How many of you guys have ever used a tiller before? Anybody use a tiller? All right, of those of you guys who have used a tiller, have you guys ever used a front-tine tiller? Has, how many of you guys, front-tine tiller? And then have you ever then used a rear-tine tiller? How many of you guys know there is a difference, okay? For all of you guys who don't know, there is a difference. So I decide I'm going to borrow a tiller, and it's a front-tine tiller, and so I am working that thing. I am pushing that thing to try to get this thing tilled up. It was a chore. I'm telling you, it was rough. And so the next year I decide I'm going, well, I borrowed a a rear tine and I was like, man, this thing just eats through the ground. And so I went and I bought my own rear tine tiller. And man, let me tell you, if if you do this thing right, you fill it up with gas, start it up, and you can actually just grab hold of the handle and you can literally walk beside the tiller if you want to. And, And it'll go, I mean, it'll eat through the ground. But you know, if you're like me, that's not fast enough, right? So I decide that, one day I'm going to get in there, and I, and I, yeah, it's going pretty good. It's going easy. And then I'm, I'm kind of pushing it a little bit, and I'm trying to get the job done faster one day. And pretty soon, I'm like hurting. I mean, like my back is hurting. I'm sweating. I'm working hard. I'm like, man, what is going on? I'm just tilling the, the garden, and, and it's like getting harder and harder and harder. And I finally realized what was going on. 
on the handle of the tiller, one of these bolts came loose. And without me realizing it, for whatever reason, I was in the sun and just all of a sudden the handle had got down to the ground almost. And I'm like pushing this tiller and I'm tilling. I had to look ridiculous, guys. And I'm like pushing this thing. And so I finally realized, oh, that's what's going on. The handle's on the ground. But then, and I'm looking at my, I'm hurting. I didn't notice it until my pain started to happen. And so I'm pushing it through. But have you guys ever gone this way before where you're like, you're looking at the broken thing, but you're also looking at how much work you got left to do and you don't want to stop and fix it? Have you guys noticed? It's like, I just want to get through it, right? And so I'm just pushing through it anyway. And I'm, I'm getting worse. I'm hurting more. I mean, I'm sweating harder. And it finally, it runs out of gas and I'm forced to fix it when it ran out of gas. And, and I'd use that illustration and that picture because, first of all, it's a true story, and I just wanted you to know I have pain in my life and feel sorry for me and all that type of stuff. But now I use that story because that's a perfect picture of what some of us, who we, when we live outside of our anointing, that's what happens. See, when you're in the anointing or with your anointing, it should be to some degree that God's wind is at your back. And it's not that everything is going to be easy. Yes, there are hard decisions and hard work involved, but you should not feel like you're swimming upstream when you have the anointing. It should feel, yes, this is hard, this is work, but it should feel different with the anointing. But what happens is, little by little, with that tiller, I begin to operate in my own strength without me even realizing it. Until the only indicator that told me that I was operating in my own strength was pain. And then when I saw what the problem was that I was operating in my own strength, I decided I'm gonna continue because there's so much work to be done. How many of you guys have ever done this in life before? You wake up one day and you realize, you know what? I kinda left Jesus back there. I'm operating in my own strength and little by little before you know it, you're operating almost all in your own strength. But you look, and your life is so busy, and it's so frantic and hectic, you're just like, it's just a little bit more. I'm just going to push through it instead of stopping and fixing it. And then what happens is somebody runs out of fuel, and then you're forced to fix it. That's not God's design for our life. And some of us, we, we have this happen when we start to live outside of our anointing. The anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit working with us. And you can serve with the anointing, and it'll be a whole lot better than serving without the anointing. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So we need the anointing in our life. But the problem is, too many of us, we get careless with it. We get impatient with it. I was reading years ago about this business principle. It's called the Peter Principle, and it's, it's this idea. Some guy wrote a book about it years and years ago. And it's this idea that everybody will get promoted to, the, to their own level of incompetence. <laughs> and, here, and it's either uh, by vacancy or ambition. So here's how it works. There's, there's somebody maybe in a cubicle. Maybe you work in an office cubicle. And all of a sudden, you are the star office cubicle person, whatever they do, right? And you're, you're the star. You're the best cubicle person. And then all of a sudden, there's a vacancy in manage, management to somebody to manage all the cubicle people. And so they're looking for somebody to fill the management position. And they look around and they see you are, the, well, this is the best cubicle person. Let's put them in management. They put them in management. And all of a sudden, somebody who was a great cubicle person is a horrible manager. How many of you guys have ever seen this happen? How many of you guys work for somebody like that? Don't raise your hand. Okay. Just, 
Because of a vacancy, somebody got promoted in, because of vacancy. Or it can work this way. You're in the cubicle, and you don't necessarily, you're, you're fine, you're the best at the cubicle, but you, you want to make more money, and you want to have more control over, over the way your life is going and, and maybe over other people. And so out of your own ambition, you decide you're going to try to push through to become the manager spot. You get to the management spot, and then all of a sudden it reveals your total incompetence in that lane. Can I just tell you this happens all the time? But this also happens to us spiritually. So many of us, we look at vacancies, and, and what happens is, and this happens even just in ministry, so what happens is you have somebody who's maybe they're good at filling in and speaking and, and preaching from time to time in, in church world, and, and, and so all of a sudden there's a vacancy in, in the pastoral position. And so what happens? Well, this person was really good speaking from time to time. Let's put them in there. And all of a sudden, somebody who was good speaking from time to time is a horrible pastor, a horrible leader. And it's not that they had bad, a bad heart or bad intentions. It's just they got promoted into a place that they were not designed for. You may have somebody who's a great musician. And, and man, they're a great musician. They're great at, at singing songs. And, and, and they're on a worship team. And then all of a sudden, there's a vacancy in the worship pastor position, and all of a sudden they get put in there because they were the best musician and the best singer. But how many of you guys know just because you're the best musician and the best singer doesn't mean you have a pastor's heart to lead people in worship. And all of a sudden you can be operating outside of your anointing, and that's a dangerous spot. Plug in whatever area of life you want to plug into, and the principle still holds true. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Saying, hey, if you're a foot, be a foot. <laughs> if you're a hand, be a hand. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And here's the question. Will we accept our anointing or try to live in someone else's? And this, this takes a confidence in God. This really takes a confidence in God. Will we accept our anointing? Is God going to stretch us from time to time? Yes. You're saying, well, I'm feeling a stretching. Does that mean I'm outside my anointing? Listen, there's a difference between stretching, God stretching you, and you forcing God. And we have to be sensitive to the difference. So imagine this. Imagine if all of us we, we had one picture of what it meant to follow Jesus. And we're like, well, this is how you follow Jesus. I'm going to do what they did. Imagine if that happened back in Bible times where Enoch, you guys know that Enoch walked with God, and then he walked with God, and then he was no more. God just took him, right? That's what the Scripture said. Imagine if, if Noah said, man, Enoch, he walked with God. I want to walk with God. So I guess I'm going to just... Walk until God takes me, because that's how you walk with God. That's how you get close to God. But then God comes to Noah and says, Noah, I want you to be around for a while, and I want you to build a boat. It's going to take you 100 years. And then Noah says, well, no, that's not how you walk with God, because I, know, I saw how somebody walks with God, and so that must not be God's voice. How many times do we do this from time to time? We, well, that's not what they're doing. And then imagine if, like, let's say, somebody else comes along and, and they're trying to figure out how to walk with God. Abraham comes along and, 
And he's like, well, I want to be like Noah. If, uh, he walked with God. He was righteous. And so I guess I'm going to start building a boat. And God says, no, I don't want you to build a boat. I want you to take a hike. I want you to walk. And I want you to go on a journey. You're not going to know where you're going to go. And then what if Moses came along and he's like, well, well, I know how Abraham walked with God. He was very wealthy. He had a bunch of servants. He had this whole thing going on. He had his own army, his own private army. So I guess if I'm going to walk with God, I got to be really rich and wealthy. And that's how you walk with God. But God says, no, uh, I want you to go to the wilderness and go hang out with a bunch of sheep for 40 years. Okay, you guys know what I'm saying here, right? Okay, so every single one of us has a lane that we are to walk in God. And God will not promote us into incompetence. God gives us grace to run in our lane. Point number three, because I'm running really late. <laughs> Again, I want to show you some of our teenagers. And they're going to illustrate this beautifully by telling this story. I want you to hear some of the stories that happened when we were at Bold Conference a couple weeks ago. Let's watch. We had a group of guys come in our room, and we were just talking. And it was like past 12 at night. And I don't know how it came up, but the Holy Spirit was brought up. And one thing led to the next. And we were praying over these five guys in our room who had not received the Holy Spirit. And for an hour, we were praying over them. And the first time in their life, they received the Holy Spirit. And each and every one of those guys spoke in tongues. Tyler Kelly. Yeah, no, clap, please. It's great. Right. So Tyler Kelly, <laughs> Jack Kirkendall. Um, Jacob, Tiffany, Jake Calder, and Asher Sharp all had the most, like, they just had, how do I describe it? But, like, the relationship with God just got that much stronger. Um, and then the next night, <laughs> those five guys prayed over another girl, and she received the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. So that's when that vision came true. And then the very last night, day three of Bold Conference, um, in our room again, we had a healing service. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It was like the greatest thing ever. Osgood Schlaughter's was healed. Um, it's like a little bump on your knee. Not a little, but it's a big bump. Um, and it restricts your movement, and it's very painful. painful. And as we were praying over this man, <laughs> he saw the bump go from a marble embedded in his skin, shrink to a little pebble, and it was gone. Um, a vision was healed that night. Um, bones were mended, tendons were healed, tissues were connecting. It was the craziest thing. Um, and then, like, that all happened between, I want to say, 1.30 a.m. and 2.30 a.m. Like, it all happened really late at night. Um, but, yeah, on day three, this lady come up, came up to me with a word, and she said, God told me to tell you you did a good job listening. That's awesome. Yeah. Stay here it. for just a second. Um, I, I knew about that stuff happening in your guys' room because I got a text like in the middle of the night to me getting woke up by my son saying, there's revival happening in room two. I'm like, okay, great. Tell me about that in the morning. But uh, no, but I just want to reinforce the words you kept saying. You, you said words like prophecy, words like vision, words like, like phrases like speaking in tongues, healing, um, getting a word for somebody. All of these things, you know what we believe around here? We believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. The Holy Spirit still moves. Mm -hmm. That stuff didn't stop back, back in that day. But God is obviously still moving through people. And it's moving through us, 
through you guys as teenagers. It doesn't have to wait until, you know, you, you get out of the house or until you get a job. It doesn't have to wait for any of that. He doesn't wait for any of that. As we open ourselves up, do you realize that most, most revivals, I'm going to be talking about revivals this weekend, so it's already, I'm already on this, but most revivals started with young people doing what you guys did. And so I just want to encourage you guys to keep that fire going because God is doing something. He started something, and he always finishes what he starts when we're available. Amen? Amen. Come on, can we give God some praise for that? It's happening right in our house. Now, let me, let me tell you, I want to highlight a word, and that was today. You heard that word today over and over again. Okay, because one of the reasons you may not feel like you are operating in the anointing or have the anointing is, is point number three, the last thing I'm going to wrap up. It's because you may be living on yesterday's anointing. See, remember Saul when he went to offer that sacrifice? When he offered that sacrifice, the kingdom was removed from Saul. The anointing was removed from Saul at that moment to be king. Did you catch that? Samuel says, the anointing is not on you anymore to be king. It was removed from him. It could be said that Saul had the crown, but he lost the anointing. But he was still king. Do you realize that Saul could even still prophesy after the anointing to be king left him? Do you realize that Saul was still king for 20 years after the anointing had left him? God had rejected him. He's still king for another 20 years. And the point is this. Yesterday's anointing can still be carrying momentum into today. And if you aren't sensitive to what's happening, you could be living off the fumes of yesterday instead of the oil of today. There's a a famous story you guys know about, and it's Joseph and Mary are walking with Jesus. They're going to a festival in Luke chapter 2, verse 43. It says, and when the feast was ended, then they were returning. The boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and his parents did not know. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Did you catch what's happening here? This picture of Joseph and Mary are walking. They're leaving, going out of town. And then they, they, they assume that they have Jesus with them, the anointed one. And they finally realize after a few days that Jesus is not with them. And so they go back and try to find him. Listen, how many days have we gone assuming the anointing is still with us? How many days, how many months, how many years have we gone assuming the anointing is still with us? We've got to go back and find it. I mean, you guys have heard that, that uh, poem or whatever, the footprints in the sand deal. I, I can't even really know how it goes, but it's like, you know, there's two sets of footprints. They're walking in the sand, or you can see them in the sand, and then all of a sudden it turns into one, one set of footprints. And that's supposed to mean that, like, well, what's that mean, Jesus? That's when Jesus was carrying you, you know, and, and all that, and... That's, that's sappy to me, um, but <laughs> God showed me. If you love that poem, I'm so sorry, but, 
But God showed me one day, years ago, I just, I had this vision. I see this whole thing play out. I see the two footprints in the sand. And I'm like, okay, God, there's you and me. We're walking along the beach all of a sudden. And then all of a sudden there was one set of footprints. And so I said, okay, God, I guess you're carrying me or something like that. And God said, no, that's when you started walking without me. And I was just convicted. I was like, oh my gosh, how many times am I running out ahead of God? Am I running at, and, and God, the anointing is still back here and I've, I've tried to move at such a pace that I left God. There's a, a, somebody who was commenting on the church in America. He said this quote, he said, if the Holy Spirit were taken completely from the church, 90%, this is talking about the American church. If the Holy Spirit were taken completely from the American church, 90% of the work of the church would go on right as if nothing had happened. All right, let's personalize this. If the Holy Spirit were taken from our lives, would our life go on like 90% of it, like nothing had happened? How do you guys know we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit? We need God with us. Yesterday's anointing has a momentum that can ride a, a, and longer than we think it can. So what's the solution? The solution is go back to the source. Go back to the source. I'm going to have the worship team come up at this time. We'll get ready to, to close. I don't know how I'm going to preach this message in the 930 tomorrow. Because i got another half an hour at least. Don't worry, we're getting out of here. Go back to the source. What does that mean? Live out of the well, not out of the pool. See, there's an there's a example in John chapter 7, verse 37. And just lean in. Just, just get this last point, guys, okay? It's going to be worth it all. John chapter 7, verse 37 says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and he cried out. He says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive, for as yet the spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So there's this feast, and it was like seven or eight days long, and every day of the feast, they would go, a priest would go down and take a golden pitcher, and he would go, and he'd go into to the pool of Siloam, and he would dip water out of the pool of Siloam, and he would carry it all the way up the steps to the, to the top, and then he'd pour it out. And they would sing psalms of ascension as they would go up. And these are songs that David wrote as they were going up. And it was a picture of the anointing of the Holy Spirit being poured out. And they would do this for seven days in a row or however they would do that. And they'd get up to the top. And Jesus does something. He interrupts the whole festival. And he says, hey, guys, uh, everything you're doing right here, this is like about me. It's like what I'm here to do. Like I'm here to give this stuff interrupts the whole thing and says, says this, you can keep going back down to that pool or you can come to me and there's a well that never runs dry. See, if you have a cistern, if you live off grid or something like that and you, you, you don't have access to water, you have to have a storage thing of water. And, and so you store up water for however many baths you need, for how many, you know, for drinking water, whatever it is, you store it all up. But if there's a drought, you just run out, don't you? There's no more. You're not getting any. And here's what happens for a lot of us. We've been living out of this cistern. We, we store up water. We get into an environment like this, and all of a sudden we, we take a dip out of that pool. And we go throughout our week, and some bad things happen, or we get drugged down or whatever, and all of a sudden the well runs dry. But then we get 
We get somebody who gives us a word of encouragement in the middle of the week, and all of a sudden we take another dip out of that, that pool, and then we get going throughout our week, or maybe you go into a dry season, and pretty soon the well has run dry. Then you get good news, and you're like, okay, it kind of fills your tank just a little bit, but then after a while, the good news subsides and the well runs dry. Jesus says this, he says, there's a well that you can drink. If you go and you dig a fresh water well and you tap into an underground current or underground stream, how do you guys know it doesn't matter what's happening up top? It doesn't matter what's happening outside of that because there's a source. What's the pool? The pool is the circumstances. So many of us are living off the circumstances and if we have a good day, then we've got to drink water. But then the good news fades away. Jesus is saying, you need to go back to the source to have that Holy Spirit anointing with you wherever you go so that out of this source, it doesn't matter, the external circumstances could be all swirling around you, but you have a well on the inside of you, amen? So how do you know where your source is right now? How can you tell? And I'm gonna tell you exactly how you can tell what your source currently is but it's going to be hard to swallow, okay? Your, your, your source, I just feel like somebody's going to take this wrong, and I don't mean to take it, for you to take it wrong or to you, for you to evaluate it wrong, but I want you to hear this because somebody needs to hear this in a certain way. The Bible says you will know them by your fruit. How do you know where your source is? What's coming out of you? If you wanna change the fruit, you have to change the root. You have to stop living out of the well or out of the pool and go back to the well that never runs dry. I love Martin Luther, he said in his journal one day, he said this, he said, I have a very busy day today, so I've gotta spend not two hours, but three hours in prayer today. He understood, I gotta go to the well. I've gotta get back to my source. And if I got a busy day, guess what? I need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And listen, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The whole message is simply this. The only time you're weak is when you move in your own strength. And I just wanna call us back to moving in the strength that God supplies. So can we stand up and bow our heads and close our eyes and just, some of us just need to come back to the well. Maybe you're here today and you, you've not been putting a demand on the anointing and you felt disappointed with, why, why am I? Listen, today's the time, not just to feel something, but to do something. Some of you are trying to live outside of your anointing and there's friction and there's frustration and there's impatience and you're trying to promote yourself beyond your anointing or outside of your anointing. Rest in God today. Others of us are living on yesterday's anointing and we're just assuming that the anointing is with us. God, help us today to get fresh water from the source. Lord, that's our desire. Let that be the heart of every person here. Let something happen in us right now. Just. I just see people tapping into the well, <laughs> tapping into the fresh spring right now. You can just set the picture down. You don't have to keep going back to the pool. <laughs> just tap in right now. 
Lord, we rest in you. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, let's worship.